you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Welcome to week eight in our series on the Ten Commandments. Please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. When you think of the Ten Commandments, you might think it's about religion. But what if it's about life? You might think it's about do's and don'ts, but what if it's about freedom? You might think it's about punishment, but what if it's about love? What do you feel when you think of the Ten Commandments? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness and your grace. And thank you for Jesus most of all. It's only by him that we can be in your presence. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be our teacher, our revealer. Lord, that you would be the one to touch our hearts and change our lives. Father, we ask for your spirit to take your word, reveal it to us, and make it alive in us. I pray, God, that we will be your witnesses as you transform us. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin, let's take a little survey. By a show of hands, how many of you locked your house this morning? Raise your hand. Okay, almost everybody. Uh, Keep your hands up if you locked your car when you walked into this building. Okay. Raise your hand if you have a password on your smartphone. Okay. Why do we do that? Okay, allow me to flip this around, but this time don't raise your hand. How many of you have ever stolen something? Most of us. We've got a few honest folks here. Most of us as children and even as adults have stolen something. You know, when I was five years old, our family lived in a neighborhood where the homes were very close to each other. And one day I was climbing on the fence by our house. And the house next to us was so close, I could reach out and touch it. And nobody was living there. It had been vacant for some time. And I was just curious if the window was unlocked. And so I just pushed on it, and it slid right open very easily, wide open. And so out of curiosity, I stepped off the fence, through the kitchen window, onto the counter, down into the floor, And there I am, this little five-year-old kid, just standing in this empty house in the kitchen. What am I going to do? And there before me is this white refrigerator. And so I go over to it, and I open, and there's nothing in there. I open the freezer, and there's a container. And I open up the container, and in there is about a dozen Oreo cookies. And I hesitated for a moment, and I thought, should I? And then I began to partake. (laughs) And so I'm walking around this empty house with my Oreo cookie in hand, and I go down the hallway, and the rooms are all empty, and I get back to the living room, and right when I get into the living room, I heard police sirens. And in my little five-year-old mind, I honestly thought, they're coming for me. (laughs) And I dropped, I hit the floor, and I'm just laying there looking at the living room window. There's no curtains, no blinds, it's a vacant house. And the siren starts to fade and go away. 
and my heartbeat is still beating, pumping hard. And I'm looking at that window, and to be honest, I'm expecting any moment somebody's going to walk up to that window for me. And I laid there for what seemed like an eternity. And then after some, I don't know how many minutes, I finally got up, and I snuck out the same way I came in. Now, I didn't know the Bible, much less the Ten Commandments, but I knew I should not be in that house eating their cookies. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15 says, You shall not steal. Now let's be very specific about the use of the word steal. Because there are times when stealing is not a crime. Right? No amens? For example, stealing a base in a baseball game. (laughs) Or stealing the ball in a basketball game. You know, next month, we're going to start the church basketball league. How many of you are interested in playing on the men's church basketball? Actually, it's men and women. How many are interested in playing on the church basketball league? Raise your hand. Just one? <laughs> Two? Anybody else? Three, four, five, six? Okay, keep your hands up. I hope you all know how to steal. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about here today. The word steal in Hebrew is the word ganav. In English, it ends with the letter B, but in Hebrew, it's pronounced ganav. Ganav means to carry away by stealth or by deceiving. So how is this command an expression of God's love? By the end of this series, I trust that we'll have a better picture of God's love for us as expressed in the giving of his commandments, which result in life as he originally intended, as we learn to love and obey him. So how is this command an expression of God's love? God loves all people, and he gave this law to protect the property of every person. And there's a lot God has to, stay, has to say about stealing. Today, we'll focus on three points. Let's begin with the obvious. Number one, stealing is sin. Did you know that stealing was involved in the very first sin? When Eve took the fruit, it was technically stealing. God said, you can have anything in the garden, anything, except the fruit of this one tree. And the fact that she took something that was forbidden, that did not belong to her, was stealing. Stealing is defined as taking something without permission, with no intention of returning it. In other words, you're not borrowing it. Here are some examples. Taking an extra newspaper from a vending machine. Got a few giggles. That's a common one. How about this? Taking a handful of Splenda or ketchup packets or napkins or salt and pepper packets whenever available. How about this one? Making it a double feature by sneaking into a second movie. I thought of doing that, but I haven't. How about something more serious, like shoplifting? Did you know that one out of 11 people shoplift? The National Retail Federation claims it cost U.S. businesses almost $11 billion last year alone. Here's one that's even more serious, tax evasion. Over the last three years, 
the IRS convicted over 9,000 people for tax evasion. That number represents only the ones who were caught. Here's a very common behavior. Duplicating copyrighted material, like music or software. Now, most people treat copyrights very lightly because, um, you know, we benefit by getting something for free, right? But what if you're the victim? What if, what if that was you? What if that was your material? How would you feel? Let's say Elmore, who plays keyboard, one of our worship leaders, let's say he creates a song, and it becomes a favorite here in the church, and so we all know the song. And then three years later, we hear it on the radio because it made the top 20 in Christian music, but under the name of a different artist. How would we feel knowing that one of our own was actually the author of that song? How would Elmore feel? Would he feel discouraged? Would this affect his motivation to write future songs? And if he did, would he want to share it with anybody after that? Sometimes we justify making copies, saying to ourselves, it's not hurting anybody. Really? Think about the person who created it. Much of our thinking is focused on self. God is not only interested in you, he's also interested in protecting others. You know, my daughter, Tara, she was at a restaurant one day, and she found a journal on the table. And uh, she was looking through it to see whose name was in there so she might return it. And uh, she found a name but couldn't find the person. And so she had this idea, well, why don't I go on Facebook and look up the person with that name? Well, lo and behold, there's lots of people with that name on Facebook. But she did a little investigation and put two and two together, and just some of the entries that were in there, she could kind of tell where that person had been. They had taken a trip. They had journaled about the trip. She got an idea of where they're from, and so she looked for somebody that kind of fit that profile in Facebook, and she sent them a friend request, and she sent them a message. Did you leave a journal in Portland, Oregon? One month went by, two, three, four months went by. Five, six months went by. About that time, my wife and I are visiting her because her younger sister just graduated from college. And so we're there at the house, and it turned out not to be a vacation for me because they were moving, and they were in the middle of finals week, and so it all landed on me, <laughs> which I didn't mind. I like being active. I like keeping keep moving. So we're moving house, and she's packing up her boxes in her room. And she's asking herself, you know, I haven't heard from this person. They never responded to my friend request, never responded to my message. Should I just take the journal and toss it in the trash? And she thought, you know, I'll just hold on to it for a little bit longer. And so we moved houses, took about a week to do that, got settled in at the new house. And like three days before I left, she said, interesting. She said, I'm so happy. She said, the person that I had messaged like six months ago finally responded to my Facebook message, and they said, yeah, that's me, that's my journal. And she wanted to return it because there were some very important things, very personal things in there that she knew that person would want to hold on to. And so they connected, she got the address, and she sent it to them. Stealing can also include finding something that belongs to another, but there's no intention of finding the owner or returning it. Now, what is it that we say? Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. You know, and we say that as if it's some kind of reason to keep what we found. Are there reasons to keep what we found? 
You know, we kind of have a special situation on Guam when we do that. It's something I like to call typhoon etiquette. For those of you who don't know, typhoon etiquette says that after the typhoon is over, whatever landed in your yard belongs to you. <laughs> Isn't that the way we do it? Are there good reasons for keeping what we found? How about Robin Hood? Does Robin Hood have a good reason? Is it okay to steal for a good cause? In Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise breaks into the Pentagon for the sake of national security. Is it justified? As we work through this, let me remind you, there is no such thing as a good motive behind a bad behavior. There's no such thing as a good motive behind a bad behavior. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. You can't say the reason I steal is because I love my kids and I want to provide for them. Stealing is sin regardless of the reason. And this is true even if it's caused by a legitimate need like hunger. Let's say, for example, a stranger breaks into your home and steals food. Is it okay just because he's hungry? That leads us to point number two, stealing has no excuse. So why do we make excuses? Why do we steal? Well, one of the obvious reasons is when we have a legitimate need and that need is not, is not met, then we try to get what we can, right? There are other reasons. Sometimes people steal because they have a sense of entitlement. For whatever reason, they feel they are entitled to what they take. For example, we might casually take a box of Kleenex from a hotel room. Or we might even take a towel or maybe a bathrobe. And we say in our mind, you know what, I'm paying so much for this hotel room, surely they can afford to give me a little bit of extra Kleenex. Some people steal because they face real hardship. They are tempted to steal when they're hungry or when their children are in desperate need. Some people don't have any need. They don't have any physical need. They could easily buy whatever it is they steal. They do it for the thrill of it. They do it for the excitement and the challenge. It's a temporary high. It's complicated. But if I could simplify, it goes back to our source. Who are you trusting to meet your needs? Who are you trusting? Even if it's the need for excitement and adventure, who are you trusting to meet your needs? Is it me? Or is it God? As long as we rely on ourselves instead of God, there's a list of behaviors that we justify. Things like bringing home supplies from work, not paying our debt on purpose, not returning what you borrowed because you like the item. My girls often do that back in, Tara, are those my pants? <laughs> you're supposed to ask. Or how about knowing you're on the clock till five, but you go home at three. If you recall from our series, The Blessed Life, God clearly says that the tithe belongs to him. And we steal from God by not giving the tithe first. Here's an example that's more common today. People on welfare who are able to work, but they choose not to work. 
Now, I'm not talking about people who are actively looking for employment, but they're having a hard time finding a job. I'm talking about people who are able to work, but they are choosing not to work and live on public assistance. Remember the definition of stealing? Taking something that doesn't belong to you. Public assistance is for those who are truly in need. Now, I know these examples can feel pointed, but God's word is very clear and very strong on this issue. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves, there it is, or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it would be pretty hopeless if that was the end of the story. But how many of you know that's not the end of the story? God is always redemptive. Amen? Amen. This brings us to our third point, and that is stealing has a way out. Stealing has a way out. What I mean by this, there's always a way out of the lifestyle of stealing. Everyone who is guilty of stealing can be forgiven and start a new life over again. As we continue to read this passage by the Apostle Paul, the next verse says, verse 11, Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. How are you cleansed? How are you made holy? How are you made right with God? By the calling on the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of of our God. Allow me to highlight the importance of calling on the name of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when the church first began, the believers were not called Christians. Not yet. And so when they were persecuted, how did they know who to persecute? What were they looking for? They didn't have a bracelet that said WWJD. They didn't have a necklace with a crucifix. They didn't have a bumper sticker. So what were they looking for? They were identified by one unique behavior. These people were people who called on the name of Jesus. Very simply, they were people who would call on his name, and that's how they knew who the Christians were. Let me give you an example of what that could look like and what that does. When I was in college, I had a friend. We were involved in ministry together. His name was Carl. Carl looked like one of these California surfer guys. Blonde hair, blue eyes, tan. And we were talking about our experience with God, and I said, so how did you come to know the Lord? He said he used to be a lifeguard. He was at a pool, and one day, uh, he wasn't on duty, but he was at the pool, and there was a commotion in one corner of the pool. And as he watched, they pulled a body out of the water. And some teenager had been at the bottom, they don't know how long, but by the time they found her and pulled her out of the water, she was already blue. And there was a lady sitting on the side, and she just began to scream out at the top of her lungs. She said, Jesus, save this child. And the moment he said that, or the moment she screamed that, that girl just began to throw up water and cough, and she began to breathe again. 
And he says, I'll never forget that woman and what she did and what happened. I could tell the timing was just something that was God. He said, that's why I became a believer. That's why I'm here today. Years later, I would have that experience for myself. We had been married. We had two kids. My youngest was maybe four years old. And we were sitting in Nicole's room, and she was eating a hot dog. And just a weird set of circumstances. We were sitting there, she was chewing, and all of a sudden, I could just tell the look on her face. It was like the blood drained out of her face. She had inhaled, and that hot dog went right down the windpipe, and it was like there was silence. She couldn't speak. And in a moment of panic, she just lunged, and she reached out at me. And I caught her as she came to me, and she was just there, you know, helpless. And I was helpless, too. And the only thing I knew to do, I didn't say a single word, but I tell you, every single cell in my body and my spirit just cried out to Jesus. And I was just like, Jesus! And in that moment, when I called on his name, she coughed, and that hot dog came right out. She began to breathe again. It doesn't matter what your need is. It doesn't matter if your child is choking or somebody has drowned or maybe you're under a spiritual attack or maybe you're in the habit of stealing. If you genuinely call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. He can deliver you from any condition that you have. Sometimes the result is instantaneous. Sometimes it's a process. But he will deliver you. He will free you. And once you are set free, Paul goes on to explain how you are to live. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 28. The thief who has become a believer must no longer steal, but instead he must work hard, making an honest living, producing that which is good with his own hands, so that he will have something to share with those in need. You know, it's always my desire to role model the word and not just teach the word. Having said that, uh, it may help some of you to hear part of my story and what God did in my life. It's not a story that I'm proud of, but it gives God the glory, and I pray it will help you trust him a little more. Most of you only know me as a Christian, but I didn't experience God until I was 20 years old. By then, a lot of bad habits were already in play. And one of those habits was stealing. During my senior year of high school, I would walk into a store two to three times a week, and I would steal my lunch. And then one day, I asked Jesus to come into my life, and everything began to change. One day, I was doing laundry in my dorm, and I saw a clean pair of white socks on the shelf. And instantly, without hesitation, I reached out to grab it, as was my habit. And with my hand in midair, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you don't have to do that anymore. Those were his exact words. You don't have to do that anymore. And I put my hand down, and I knew in that moment God was saying, I will take care of what you need. One word from God and I was forever changed. I never stole again. Every person needs a revelation from God that he will take care of you. He will meet your needs. You can trust him. God loves you, and he cares for you, 
He will take care of you. He will meet your needs. You can trust him. He's inviting you to live by faith. He's inviting you to trust him. He's inviting you to watch and see what he can do. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he can do amazing things to provide for you much better than you could accomplish for yourself. None of us can steal without consequence. Remember what happened in the garden? They had all kinds of consequences. And life is no different today. God has woven cause and effect into the fabric of reality. Sowing and reaping is like the law of gravity. You can't escape it. But the grace of Jesus is like the law of aerodynamics and allows you to fly above the law of sowing and reaping. There are consequences for what we do, but Jesus is here to set you free. If you have a habit of taking what doesn't belong to you, Jesus can set you free. He can also set you free from the guilt. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Stealing has a way out, and that way out is Jesus. We simply need to confess and repent Trust God to change us and trust God to provide. And once you experience God in a certain area, you'll never be the same. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for I thank you for your patience, Lord, that despite the very things that we struggle with, you still love us, you're still for us, you're there to meet us where we're at and to take us to the next step. I want you to take a moment in the quietness of your heart, just between you and God, to ask God, Lord, how are you speaking to me? How are you speaking to me? And in the silence, of your personal space. I want to give you some time just to do business with God. Give you a moment to respond to him, whatever it is that the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. While you're taking some time alone with God, I want to invite the worship team to come on up. from you. I can't take this next step. I need you. 